Yes, teenagers, thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> hey, I'm so glad you all are with us today. We've had an incredible time of worship, and it's been a, it's, it's a big day. I mean, it is, it is Easter Sunday, and that is a, that's a crazy day to, to think about the, the chance for us to, to worship Jesus. Um, and, you know, I... I think it's almost like kind of like the Super Bowl of Sundays. It's it's a big day for for us. It's a it's a kind of like a big game. You know, have you ever been to a a like you're your teenager or you're you play sports and you're going to a, a game and uh, you have the next day and so the day before you want to make sure that you're doing thing everything right to to be the best you can be. So you're eating healthy. You are you're going and you're taking care of uh, your your all your clothes. You're getting everything lined up. You don't want to be late. You're setting three or four alarms. You're you're uh, going to bed early and you don't you want to make sure that you don't get hurt. I mean that's one of the big things if you're uh, an athlete. You don't want to get hurt the day before a big game. Well, you know for us this is kind of like the big game um, for for Central and. And yesterday, I couldn't help myself. I decided that it's time for me to go and, and get outside and to be able to just enjoy uh, everything's going on outside and, and get some work done. There's a ton of work that needs to be done around the house. And so a neighbor and I went in back, my backyard, and we had a bunch of trees we needed to cut down. I'm talking like big trees. And so we're, we're cutting down these trees, trying not to kill ourselves. And we get this main big tree down. And then I've got to gotta cut down a giant limb. It's about 30 feet tall um, off of, a, of another tree that's sticking straight up. And so he's got the chainsaw and I've got this pole and I'm trying to, trying to make sure I can pull it down. And, and, and he begins to cut it and I'm pulling and he's cutting and I'm pulling. And all of a sudden it starts to fall towards me. And I realize I'm in trouble. I'm, I'm in, I'm stuck right where I'm at. I, I tried to bail and turn around and run. And there's other trees that literally had fallen down uh, behind me. And so, man, I'm, I'm, I'm running around. I cannot, I cannot figure out um, where I'm going to go. And so I just jump in between a bunch of branches and just hide myself while this giant branch comes in and lands on top of me. And thank goodness I was saved. And so I'm like, great. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Everything's good. Well, later on, I even went out to, a, to another um, place and we were cutting down a big, big like bush. It's like a seven foot tall bush. And we're cutting it down and I, I hit myself in the head on the side of the house, like bad. I mean, sit down, I'm gonna pass out kind of bad. I thought there was blood everywhere and I'm checking my head and I'm thinking, great, I'm a pastor, I gotta preach in front of all these lights and, and I got this bald head. And, and so, and so it, it was so bad, it was bad. And so it was so bad that I actually went to uh, my, my daughter, she's sitting over there and last night she, she taught me how to actually put makeup on my head. And so like she's putting, you know, the con- concealer um, on, on my head and, and, and trying to like show me how, to, how you do that. And so uh, this morning, I had to get up way before she did. And I think I did okay, John. Like you can't even really tell, you know, what's going on. Like, I mean, that, that's a little bit about me. Uh, that's, that's who I am as, as just a normal guy. But let me tell you a little bit about Central. You know, Central is, is a church where Jesus changes everything. We really truly believe that. We believe that God has the ability to change your life he has the ability to change my life. He has the ability to change our, our, our community and this church. We truly believe that he has the ability to do that. And today we've been singing about that already. We, we looked at that. We, we've talked about that. You guys got to see a visual representation of that actually happening. This is kind of the, the story of Easter, that God 
came down on this earth, lived a perfect life, and died for us. And then he rose from the grave. And if we get into the story of, of what Jesus did, we find that, that Jesus was crucified on a cross on a, on a Friday in Jerusalem in the temple, which is right nearby. He leaves the temple area. He, he gets convicted, and he goes out to this place where he was hung on a cross. But these two places were very connected. And let me tell you a little bit about it from Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 is kind of a great, it's a great commentary of, of, of Scripture. If you want to know what the Gospels are all about and how they connect with the, the Old Testament, man, just go and, and check out Hebrews. And here's what it says. It says that the priests, they regularly entered the first room as they performed their religious duties. But only the high priest ever entered the most holy place, and only once a year. And he always offered blood for his own sins and for the sins the people um, had committed in ignorance. And so this is a, a great kind of illustration of what's actually happening um, in the temple while, while Jesus is actually being crucified during that time. This is what the people would do over and over again. This temple had many different sections, and one of them was kind of for, for normal people, and then it had another place for kind of religious people. And then then it had the Holy of Holies, and it was a, a special place. And in front of it was this giant curtain, this giant um, veil that some people call it. And that word for veil, it, it's, it means a divider or a screen that separates two different things. See, the veil, it actually shielded us, shielded sinful man from a, a holy God. And it shielded us and kept us from entering God's presence. There was this separation there, but only the high priest could go in once a year. And it was so dangerous, guys, that they would actually take a, a rope and, and wrap it around the high priest. And he would kind of make his way around this curtain and he would go back there because they, were, they didn't know what was going to happen to this guy. They didn't know if he was going to die or not. And if he died, uh, he was going to stay in there for a year because no one else was going in there with him. So they would have a rope to be able to pull him out if he died. So that's a little background about what's happening in the temple while Jesus is, is being crucified. Let me, let me go to that story in Luke chapter 23. The Bible says that by this time, it was about noon, Jesus had been convicted. He had been led to his cross. He's up on his cross. It was about noon. And darkness fell across the whole land until 3 o'clock. And the light from the sun was was gone in the middle of the day. And suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple, it was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with these words, he breathed his last. Now, we all have things we can't do. Like we're, we're, we are incapable of doing. One of the things that I'm incapable of doing is dunking a basketball. That's one of the things I want to do, but it's never going to happen in my life unless we lower the goal or have a trampoline. That's probably still not going to happen, but I've always wanted to be able to, to dunk a basketball. Another thing I've always wanted to be able to do is like those strongman competitions. You know, they, they get those phone books and they're like, watch me, you know, and they just rip it in half with their, their strong arms. I, I want to be able to do that someday. Well, the temple, with a veil inside of it, this veil was, was too much for people to be able to get through. 
And just like the basketball goal is, is too high for me to, to handle, to reach, and that phone book is too thick for, for me to, to tear, this, this veil, this curtain, was 60 feet high. This, this right here is only 20 feet high, okay? It was three times the height, and it was 30 feet wide, and it was four inches thick, tightly woven together. And when Jesus died, it was torn. The Bible says in Matthew that it was torn from the top to the bottom. And let me, let me tell you something. Only God can do that, right? Only God has the ability to, from the top, that's 60 feet high, to be able to tear something like that in half. What was he doing? Why is that symbolic? Why do we talk about that? Well, the reason is, is because he was removing this separation that you and I have between him. The Holy of Holies was, was wide open for everybody to see. And God's presence was accessible to everyone. And that's great news. I mean, that is incredible news. Look what Hebrews says about it. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a, a new life, a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Man, hey, this is great news that God did this on our behalf. And we have a, a way to boldly enter God's presence. It's great news because of this one fact this morning. Your sin is stronger than you. My sin and your sin is stronger than we can handle. It's 60 feet high. It's four inches thick. And you can't defeat it. But you know who can? God can. Right? God has the ability to do that. He can take your sin. He can tear it up. And he can open a way for you to have a relationship with him. And when Jesus cried out, it is finished, when he said his, his last words, he took his last breath on the cross, did you know that what he said was actually an, an accounting term, kind of a math term, meaning paid in full? <laughs> when Jesus died on the cross, God was ripping apart your sin and saying it's paid in full. You see, your sin may be stronger than you, but God has torn it down. Not you, not by your good works, not by doing better things. God himself has the ability to take what is killing you inside and leading you to eternal death, and he can rip it apart. But the story this morning isn't over. It doesn't end right there. In fact, Jesus, when he died and the veil was torn, people took him off of the cross and they put him on the ground. They prepared his body and put him in a grave. And a popular place to go to in Jerusalem is, is this place called the Garden Tomb, which millions of people believe that this is the actual place where Jesus was, was buried. Here's a, a picture I took of it just last year. A cave where this is a common thing, a common place that they would bury some, someone. There's, if you go around Israel, there's places all like this, full of places of caves that they've carved out, and they uh, have something, a barrier they put um, in, in front of it. It was just something that, that everybody used. And there was this guy named Joseph and this guy named Nicodemus, and they got Jesus' body down off the cross. And look what John chapter 19 says. 
says, following Jewish burial custom, they, they wrapped Jesus' body with these spices in long sheets of linen cloth. And the place of crucifixion was, it was near a garden where there was a new tomb never used before. And so because it was the day of preparation for the Jewish Passover, and since the tomb was close at hand, they, they put Jesus there. They laid his, his body there. And Mark chapter 15 says a little bit more about what happened. It says that they rolled a stone in front of it. And there were some other people there, some other eyewitnesses. These ladies, they name a few of them here, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph. And they, they saw where Jesus' body was laid. It took many people to roll that stone in place. In fact, here's another picture of, of one from, from 2,000 years ago. Of that stone, the size of the stone. This is actually in, in Israel, in the countryside. And that was the size of the stone they had to roll um, in, in its place. It, it was very heavy. And it shows us all something this morning. And I, and I want you to see this because there's something that I, that I know, that I, that I recognize. That death in the grave is undefeated, isn't it? I mean, it's something all of us are going to have to face one day. Every single one of us is going to have to face the grave. And let me just tell you, it has got a perfect record. It always comes for you. You think about your family, the ones who have, who have died and gone um, before you. They have all had to face the grave. And you and I are going to have to face the grave as well. They knew that the grave was undefeated. And we, the reason we know is because of what they were doing. They were actually preparing a dead body. I mean, the story gives us evidence, this weight of what they were actually doing. They were taking these spices and they were wrapping his body because that's what they did with a dead body. Because they know what a dead body does. A dead body rots and it begins to smell. And that was the only way that they could try to slow that down. And so that's what they did. They prepared his body and they knew he was dead. And they knew that the grave had won. And the women, they, were, they knew it as well. And they were eyewitnesses um, to the fact. And so they, this is Friday. It's 3 o'clock. Jesus dies by 6 o'clock. They had to be done because the sun is going down. And in Jewish custom, which it was talking about, you had to stop everything you were doing by Friday when the sun went down. And you could not work until the next day when the sun went down. Again, that was their Sabbath. And so they had to rush and get prepared. The, the women are there, and they see that the stone is put in its place, and that they are, they're waiting. They have to go home, and they have to just wait it out. They're not allowed to do anything. And the scriptures even talk about that as well. Look what it says in Mark chapter 16. It says that Saturday evening, okay, so the, the, when, when the Sabbath was finished, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Siloam, went out and they purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Like, why did they go and do that? If you really knew that Jesus was not dead, you wouldn't go and do what they did. They had seen his body turning blue. They had seen rigor mortis set in. And they knew that his body was going to smell pretty good. And so they went and bought these spices to prepare his body. And it says very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. And on the way there, they were asking each other. This is kind of funny. Now, who's going to roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? They quickly realized, 
oh, how are we going to get it open? I mean, how are we going to do this? Well, what's crazy is they didn't have to wait uh, very long to figure out. It says this in Luke chapter 24, that they found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they, they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus at all. How would you feel if that happened? I mean, for me, I would be, I'd have, I'd have a lot of questions. I mean, I'd be confused. There'd be some fear that, that would set in. And that's exactly what happened to these ladies. They were scared. And, and God showed up through some angels to give them a, a message. And this is one of the most incredible messages. It says this in Luke 24. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. So angels showed up, and the women were terrified, and they bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Now, I don't imagine that they kind of said that that soft. I, I believe these angels were shouting with joy. I bet in heaven they were fighting over the opportunity to be the ones who got a, got a chance to first tell the world of what Jesus had done. Jesus rose from the grave. That's why we're here today, to celebrate that. And it was no secret. There wasn't this grand conspiracy that they were trying to, to, to churn up some elaborate scheme to try to trick millions of people throughout the rest of history. You could actually go when you're there and see what they were talking about. You see, the grave is undefeated. It is. But God plays by his own rules, doesn't he? Like God does his own thing. He doesn't care what the grave's track record is, what the score is. He can do anything. And that's a great message for us today. God can do anything. And we see it right here. They were amazed, but confused. And probably a little scared. And so look what they did. They kind of freak out a little bit. And you and I would as well. It says they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what had happened. And, of course, here's how these guys are, of course. But the, the story sounded like nonsense to the men, okay? So they, they didn't believe what they were being told. You know, I was thinking about this. Why was this written down? I mean, why do we have the Gospels? Why do we have these stories? What is the purpose of having these things? I think it's this, that, that God wants us to trust in him. To trust in him, and not with this blind faith kind of nonsense, okay? Not with just this irrational belief. He gives us overwhelming evidence that it is true. And he says, trust me. But the problem is we're pretty skeptical, aren't we? I mean, by nature, we're skeptical. We don't believe something unless we can see it with our own eyes. We don't believe something unless we can grab hold of it with our own hands. It's, it's one of the reasons why... Parents, we take videos and pictures of everything our kids are doing because there's a good chance that maybe someday they'll do something incredible and we want to make sure that everybody knows about it, okay? So that's why uh, at sporting events, at concerts or whatever, at band concerts or whatever, like everybody's got their, their phones out recording everything because someday your kid is going to make that three-point buzzer beater, 
and you want everybody to witness it. And they're like, there's no way. That guy can't even, that kid can't even dribble. You're like, trust me, look at it, look at this. You want evidence. We're, we're skeptical by nature. And you know what? Peter was the same way. A man who walked with Jesus for several years, he was skeptical as well. Look what, look what happens in the next verse. This is, however, Peter, he jumped up and he ran to the tomb to look. He's like, I don't believe you. Let me go see. Stooping, he, he peered in and saw the empty linen wrappings. Then he went home again, wondering, wondering what had happened. When the Bible says that he saw, it means that he actually investigated. So he, he didn't just like kind of look in and go, ah, I guess he's gone. No, he, he walked in, he grabs the linen as the, the spices are falling out of it, and he's looking underneath it. Like, he's like, Jesus, like, where are you? He's looking in the corners. Like, is Jesus hiding? I mean, Easter, what's going on, you know? Like, he's trying to figure out, is, is, is Jesus doing that? And he's, he's investigating what is happening. You know, if you travel to Jerusalem today, you're going to see something. In fact, last year we traveled to Jerusalem to investigate. And here's what we found. We walked in to that tomb, and there are these stone spaces where they would put a body. And Peter looked in there, and he walked in, and he investigated. And you know what was similar to our experience that that Peter had? The tomb was empty. Now, one thing that's different is that we as Americans, we... We get our phones out, don't we? Like, I mean, everybody's like, oh, get, 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 get. we got to show this. Why? Because we want people to see what we saw. You may not be able to go to Jerusalem today. You may not physically be able to do that. But you know what? You have something even better. You have some eyewitness testimony, some firsthand accounts. And you know what we call it? We call it the Gospels. We have the Gospels that are these historical eyewitness testimonies of what actually happened because I'm sure they were saying no one is going to believe what we got to experience and see. And here's what the Bible says about these gospels that we have in John chapter 20. It says that these are written, these stories, this historical, historically accurate account, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, And that by believing, not not doing good things, not living a good life, but simply by believing, you may have life in his name. You know, seeing really is believing. And I believe Jesus is saying this to you today. I'm right here. Look at me. This is true. This is real. So this morning, every single one of us has to ask ourselves this. Do I believe in him? Do I? Is this just a religious thing? Am I just here on on Easter Sunday because that's what I do, you know, every once in a while is, is come to church and this is just something I'm supposed to do culturally? Or do I truly believe what happened. And the evidence, guys, is overwhelming. Jesus says this 
about himself. In John 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Jesus truly does change everything, doesn't he? I mean, he has, he has the ability to, to separate your sin from your sinful self, you know? He has the ability to, to tear that in half and save you from your sins. He has the ability, even though death is certain, he has the ability to, to roll that stone away and give you new life. That's what he can do. And that's why we celebrate today. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know why you're here. I don't know why you're watching online right now. But there's a reason God wants you to hear this. And I believe it's because he is calling you to believe in him. And there's an incredible reward for belief. Our sins get washed away because of his blood. Jesus, who died on the cross to save us from our sins. We get victory over death, just like Jesus had victory over death. We get to spend eternity with him in heaven. What a great deal that is, right? What do you have to do? You've got to believe. Belief in Jesus is everything. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for every single person in this room right now who you have them here for a reason. I thank you for everyone that's watching online. You have them listening and, and seeing this for, for a reason. For those of us who have had faith in Jesus. We've been believing for a long time. I pray that today would be a renewal moment for us, that we would be able to truly worship you, not, not just today, but every single day because of what you've done for us. You have paid the penalty. The cost is so high. It is death, and you got on the cross to save us from our sins. And so we have the opportunity to live for you every single day. And so I, I pray, God, for encouragement for every single one of us that, that, that needs that. Lord, I believe there's people in this room. I believe there's people watching right now who are seeing you from afar. They listen to the songs. They listen to the evidence that is clear from Scripture about what you did, yet they have never truly placed their, their trust in you. They've never truly believed. And I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit, you would convict them right now. Nothing else matters. Every single one of us is going to have to answer for what we decided about Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that they would believe today. You know, in fact, for everyone in this room, I believe that there's a lot of us that, that need prayer right now. You walked in here searching for answers, searching for hope, comfort. Life is a little crazy. My life is a little crazy right now. I could use some prayer. If that's you, if, if you need something, if you have something that we need to pray over, would you just slip your hand up real quick? Anybody? There's a lot of people here. Yeah. Here, let me pray for you right now. Lord, for everybody that raised their hands, I ask God that you would give them an extra measure of your love 
and grace today. I don't know what the situation is, but Lord, we know that when we're in the valley, we need you the most. But it's amazing how you show up every time and you get the glory and you take care of us when we don't know that there's a way out. And so Lord, I pray that for every single person in this room who raised their hand, that you would you would give them patience to trust you. And that in your timing, Lord, that you would you take care of what's on their heart. Speak to them right now, Lord. Comfort them right now. Give them your peace right now, God. I thank you for what you're gonna do. You know, I also believe that there's probably some people in this room who say, you know what, I've never trusted in Jesus like that. I hear what you're saying, I've never done that. Maybe God is really churning in your heart right now and you just need to respond to him. Quit playing games. Let's be open and honest with him. If, if you've never trusted in Jesus and you, you want me to pray for you right now, would you just slip your hand up real quick? Okay. Let me pray for you as well. Lord, I pray for those in the room right now who are far from you. And the idea of not trusting in our own strength, but trusting in you to save us, to make us whole, to give us purpose, that's, that can be kind of scary. But God, I pray that you would, Holy Spirit, come into their life right now pray you give them the strength to, to repent of their sins and to believe in Jesus who died for them and who rose from the grave to give them new life. I pray you give them the words right now to pray that prayer and to trust you. Thank you. God, for what you have done in this place today. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we leave, let me just say this. There's nothing more important right now than to tell somebody if you've made a decision for Christ. There's nothing more important for you right now that if you need prayer, is to go and seek someone out to, to pray with you. And we want to give you an opportunity to do that. There's a couple ways you can do that. One of the ways is more private is just, just to text the word forgiven to our number, to 94,000. One of our staff will get that today, and we'll get right back with you. We'd love to, to come alongside you and, and pray and, and talk about a decision you may need to make and prayer you might have. You know, another way you can do that right now, here in just a second, we're going to sing one more final song, is when that song is being sung, we have this connection room right over here. We're going to have... Uh, volunteers over there, people are just like you and me who would love to spend time praying with you and talking with you about any decision that you would like to make. I mean, don't leave this place. There's nothing more important. Food can wait. Traffic will be traffic. God is calling you. Man, don't leave this place until you respond to him. In fact, I'm gonna invite everybody to stand to your feet and we're gonna sing one final song in worship of God. And if he's calling you to move, move right now. 
Hey, you glad you made it to church this morning? Man, it's been a great day. Let's end with a little celebration of what God has done in our lives. The story of the gospel. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my tomb till I met you. Yeah, I was breathing but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. It was my tomb. Till I met you You called my name And I ran out of that grave Out of the darkness Into your glorious day You called my name This is my story. This is your story. The song of the redeemed for those who trusted in him. Come on, let's sing. I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. But chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. I love you.